There are a couple of things that uh, we're, we're hoping to learn today. One is, if, if I can go back to the conversations that I've had earlier talking about artificial intelligence and robotics process automation, we believe that those are the right tools to help us get the cost of doing business down and also to take friction out of the supply chain so that we can get things faster. The American public, and particularly those who work in government, will, will ask, why is it that the time between I want a thing and I got a thing in federal government is vastly different from the time between I want a thing and I got a thing when I get home to ask for the very same thing? Over the long term, and this will kind of lead us into the broader discussion around 2020 and beyond, what do you hope to come from the meeting today at the White House on the supply chain management and then what are some of the next steps to go from this meeting? The takeaways for today uh, that, that I'm uh, looking for are, one, ideas that help us make the supply chain uh, or our acquisitions more frictionless. And another is what do we do to get the cost of buying down? Now, I've talked often about the rules, the tools, the schools, and the talent pools, uh, that rhyming scheme that talks about the levers that we have at OFPP. Well, we need to figure out how to configure those rules, those tools, and particularly the talent pools in ways that are more efficient, that help us get uh, acquisition to, to take the, the, well, the acquisition system to have less friction and to get the cost of buying down. And I think the tools are going to be key, but then right behind that, we have to make sure that the talent pools know how to manage that. That's a really great point about the rules and the tools and then the talent pool. So let's start there. 2020, you've been now in place at OFPP for, for several months now. Give me a sense of what your priorities are for 2020. Moving forward, we're already starting to think about the workforce differently and thinking about uh, change and the evolutions that go on in, in a world of evolving human capital and a world of evolving technology. A lot of my fellow baby boomers uh, still get excited about talking about the workforce of the 21st century. But I have news. Uh, a lot of millennials are saying, what are you talking about? We've been in the 21st century almost all of my life. And by the way, they see the, the fast-paced change. And so what, what I want to talk about is workforce 2025. What is our workforce going to look like in 2025? By then, I think robotics process automation uh, and uh, artificial intelligence will be more commonplace. And uh, then we need to see a workforce that is nimble, that can leverage the automation uh, to use it to do the mundane tasks that workers usually do. And workers can shift their skills to the right, so to speak, and focus more on the critical thinking and the business judgment that we should be paying acquisition professionals to do. So that's what I'm, I'm thinking about in the uh, near term as we talk about 2020 moving out uh, in a short span. Uh, in 2025, I expect that we will see some meaningful change. You make a good point about the workforce of the future and how the workforce has, has got a shift. Is there something that your office plans to do? There's already good training. There's also the Federal Acquisition Institute, the Defense Acquisition University already provide really good training options. Is there something more specific you're able to do to kind of push that forward? My dissertation was uh, focused on the competencies required of uh, contract specialists in the Department of Defense. What I can tell you is that at the time of that study, 
it was clear to me that we are a process-oriented profession. And we are going to have to move from thinking about following the processes in a world of, of uh, uh, automation, because the automation will do those processes faster and better and more accurate than we ever could. But we still have something to bring to the table that automation can't do, and that is human judgment. So I think that the schools of the future will help the talent pools by helping them sharpen that judgment and understand how to think through the business deals and, and teach them less about the step-by-step that processes of acquisition. From your perspective and where you sit at OFPP, you have the bully pulpit to kind of talk about, hey, this is where our priorities are, this is where we want to head. Can you give me a sense of what you guys can do to ensure that those training is happening, that those acquisition officers and, and contract specialists have the right skill set? I mean, beyond talk about it, is there anything else you can do, whether it's a funding issue, whether it's a taking the best practices that are being happening at you know, the, the VA Acquisition Institute or another one and making sure that gets spread more, more widely. And one of the things I like to do is focus on the, the best of the schools, not just Defense Acquisition University and the Federal Acquisition Institute, but I often talk about the Procurement Innovation Lab or the PIL at uh, DHS because they're teaching differently. They're not a a typical classroom, but they look at a problem, a problem statement, and, and solve the problem. And that's the way the acquisition professional teams are going to have to do their work. So being able to shine a light on these exemplars is one way that we improve the education outcomes for the acquisition workforce. Another thing that I think we can do is, uh, and, and, and not, not necessarily funding, but where we see specific examples that are common across the enterprise, we have the myth-busting memos that we, we should be uh, cranking uh, up a few, in fact, in the, in the very near, near term to be able to talk about the things that we can do differently. There are so many opportunities that we have to not change the FAR, but change the way the the uh, workforce operates within the FAR. You have some people who are very conservative and others who are, who are a little bit more entrepreneurial, both doing things legally, both buying the same things, but the time that party A takes may be five to ten times as long as the time that party B takes. But again, they're both doing things legally and they're both buying the same thing. So we need to be able to shine a light on best practices as well. And lastly, I'd say hopefully the summit has given us the, the knowledge and some best practices from outside so that we're not just looking at our own history. There's a lot of hot topics when you look at the acquisition community beyond the workforce. There's a lot of discussion on category management, best-in-class contracts, spend under management. There's that whole area of effort. And then there's also the whole area of effort around things like contract consolidation, moving things either on top of the GSA schedule or just getting rid of the multiple award contracts that seem to be repetitive. Can you walk me through some of your thinking around whether it's category management or, or just the, the changes that you would hope to see when it comes to the way agencies are, are contracting today? More and more, the workforce needs to really understand and embrace how category management works. Also, uh, we're not yet at the, at the point where we are harvesting our data uh, on our own. And I think category management gives us the opportunity to be intelligent buyers. And so I'm excited about some of these best practices for global end-to-end supply chain management uh, systems because we can become more intelligent buyers. And, uh, and, and while uh, a, a lot of my immediate focus is on getting the cost of the actual buying function down, we still have the charge uh, by the taxpayer to get a fair and reasonable price. And we need good uh, data to understand that. 
the White House, we know, will submit their 2021 budget request to Congress coming up uh, very soon. Uh, I know you maybe can't talk specifics, but last year there were some legislative uh, requests, some legislative proposals in the budget. Is that something you guys will be doing again this year around specifically around acquisition to make some changes? There are some uh, perennial issues that we try to work in, um, and, and I think you can count on us uh, continuing to focus on things that have been historically important for us, and I don't think you're going to be looking for any new surprises. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.